Hello, and welcome to Things We're Too Lazy to Blog About. I am Amanda Lauren, and I am with my co-host, Allie Levine. Hey, hey, hey. And we are on the line with someone who I think we all, I think we all need to, like, talk about this. I think we all need to know her. She is one of, like, are you, like, one of the most famous matchmakers? I feel like you are. Oh, thank you. Could be. <laughs> we, are, we are with Samantha Daniels. Yes. Samantha Daniel. I don't know why I called you Samantha Daniels. I don't – it's – I need coffee. <laughs> Did you not get coffee? Samantha Daniels with the S at the end. The oh, S. wait. That's oh, you said so right. weird because I'm looking at the – like we're on Uber conference and it says Samantha Daniel. Oh, it does. Yeah. Okay, that was not my fault. Okay, so you actually you know, I did the right thing. <laughs> no, 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 this is hilarious. No, 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 that's real life. I always like we have this sort of ongoing like bit of fodder on this podcast about me trying to pronounce people's names, and it's like ninety nine percent failure rate. I told Amanda, I think like at some point we'll like create like a, like a bloopers of all Amanda's <laughs> terrible intros. <laughs> All my bad intros. You know, it's funny because I always thought mine was pretty easy, so I don't know. (laughs) It's it's a technical glitch. Thanks, Uber Conference, for ruining my life. So I want to get into it because obviously, like, being a matchmaker, it's a very interesting profession. It's not something that I think most people are like, I want to be a matchmaker when I grow up, even though like your job is to essentially create miracles, which is pretty awesome. So how did you become a matchmaker? Well, I started out as a divorce attorney, actually. When I was helping people get divorced, I realized that it would be much more enjoyable to bring people together than to help them break (laughs) apart. And I was always very good at meeting people and networking. And I just had this sixth sense to know who went well with whom. And I would throw a lot of parties for my friends. And at the parties, I would see a person on one side of the room, a person on the other side of the room. They both, I remembered that they were both from Chicago and they both liked to play tennis. So I'd grab each of them by their hair and say, you've got to come meet this other person. And then they'd wind up getting married. So I kept having it happen again and again. And so after a while, I thought, well, this could be an interesting business. And it was really before any matchmaking stuff existed. There was no online dating. There were no dating apps. There were barely any matchmakers. There were certainly no matchmakers who did it for cool, interesting social people. So I just decided to throw my hat in the ring. Unfortunately, it worked out. That's, that's, that's really amazing. Cool. Yeah. I love that you like took something that, like you said, like you were doing that obviously was for work and, you know, and you were good at it, but you realized, oh my gosh, I could actually like have passion in this and, and have something good come out of this. That's really cool. Thank you. Yeah. No, it was really just a hobby for me. I was always very social and I love just helping people meet each other. And I also starting, I would say in middle school, I was the friend who always gave all the advice. And so I always love to give dating advice and boy advice. And so I guess that I just liked it. And then when I got to college, um, my roommate said to me, do you know anybody who you think I'd like? And I thought about it and I said to myself, yeah, there's this one guy who I know from high school who actually goes to college. We went to University of Pennsylvania 
And I said, I'll introduce the two of you. So I introduced them that evening. They were both a little bit shy, but I stayed up with them the whole night, letting them talk. We were at a bar. Then we went back to his fraternity house. They sat up talking and I stayed to make sure that they were comfortable. And now all these years later, they're married and they have two kids who are grown. And one of them actually goes to our alma mater. So that was my first uh, success story. And then I've had many, many others since. Oh, I love that. So you said, obviously, that like you've always been giving tips. You've always liked giving advice. So going into that, like being that you are an amazing matchmaker and we're going into the summer, we're in a new season. I feel like everybody starts to get like really excited about like they worked on their summer body. They got themselves being together. Being single like, in the summer, I feel like is particularly frustrating. And I feel like, I don't know, like, do you feel like now more than ever, people find more frustration with dating or do I just notice it more? Well, and I was also going to say like, I like before you said that, I was going to say like, I feel like the opposite actually. I feel like people actually get really excited about the summer because they've gotten themselves together and they like maybe did their hair and they have a tan and they're working on their body and they do all these things to like get themselves together to be excited to go out in the summer. And then it's like, okay, now where do I take that? So I guess answer those super questions because it's interesting that Amanda and I both have a different perspective. Well, um, whichever one of you said that summer is a good time for dating, you win the prize because summer is a great time for dating. People are really excited to get out there to meet people. It's true that they look good because they have a little bit of tan. You know, women can wear sexy little dresses. A lot of people have hibernated during the winter and they haven't gone out as much. And all of a sudden it's nice weather and they can sit out in an outdoor cafe and have a glass of wine. Um, and people like meeting to each other during the summer. So it's definitely the best time of the year. So if you've had a crappy dating uh, season during the winter, you should get excited because spring and summer is the best. Okay. I love that. So, okay. So on that note, what would be some of your advice for people that are getting out into, you know, the summer season, like you said, you know, are excited they maybe do have a tan they got some cute dresses they're ready to go what would be some like quick tips that you could give our listeners and people that are obviously single and looking to date and are excited about this summer that they could do or something I guess maybe like they could look forward to how can we change it up for the summer also not inviting their dogs on dates which I feel like you I remember that you have an interesting story about someone who brought their dog on a date Yes, I do have an interesting story. It is not good to bring your dog on a date. I mean, we digress from the summer yeah. uh, advice question for a moment. But if you have a dog, I know you're very tempted to bring that dog on a date, especially in the summertime or the springtime, because you can sit outside in a cafe and can have your dog with you and they'll bring a bowl of water and all seems great. But the thing about it is if you're a woman bringing a, a, a dog on a date, The guys don't really like that. They find it to be high maintenance. They need to think about where they can go, that the dog will be invited. The dog is distracting the girl during the date. They just don't like it. So leave your dog home. That's my advice. I'm sorry. (laughs) For those of you dog lovers out there, I'm sorry. No, I mean, (laughs) unless you're like the other person loves dogs and like you agree to like go to a park or something. Like if you go to a dog park on a first (laughs) date, like you should probably bring your dog if you have one or like (laughs) hike in LA. Or you should borrow one. You should borrow one. Because dogs, if you're you're single, 
a dog is actually a really good way to meet somebody because same thing with babies. If you have a baby, if you have a dog, people come up to you on the street. Oh, so cute. So cute. And it's like a good conversation starter. I did. Um, I was a spokesperson for Petco a while back and we <laughs> talked about how dogs were a great way for people to meet each other. So I definitely think that, but getting back to the summer, so if you're going out there trying to meet someone during the summer, the first bit of advice that I would give is exactly what you said to try to shake it up a little bit. So you need to think about what you've done in the past other summers and how and what you can do differently this summer. So if you've always gone to the Jersey Shore, you know, maybe now you go to the Hamptons. I'm in New York, so I'm using that as an example. If you always go out with the same group of friends to the same places every night, then try to go out with a different group of friends. Reach out to new people. Maybe go to a rooftop party. Maybe go sit at an outdoor cafe by yourself and actually don't look at your phone. You know, so that way you're there. People see you. You're smiling. You're alone. Open to meeting people because a lot of times when people That's are alone, they're too nervous to actually look up from their phone. And if you're looking down at your phone, then you don't see the hot guy that just walked in. You don't see the hot guy that's checking you out. You don't see the hot guy that wants to buy you a drink. So put your phone away and feel comfortable and confident enough about yourself. You've got your cute dress on. You've got your tan body. Like, let people see you. Put a smile on your face and see what happens. Yeah, it's really, I mean, that's a really good point. I like that you said switch up the location because I think that's like a really good point because I feel like when you go out with your friends, right, mm-hmm. a lot of times you frequent the same spots. You're like, oh, we feel comfortable here. Yeah. It's like you see the same people because you frequent the same spot. So it makes sense to me that you would go somewhere else. Yeah, you just go someplace different. You usually go to one neighborhood, go to a different neighborhood. If you hear that a restaurant opened, go check it out. You don't have to wait to hear that it's trendy. It's new. Go check it out. What do you have to lose? You know, a lot of times people always need somebody else to give the verification. Oh, I was there. It was great. Like, why can't you be the verifier? Why can't you be the first person to go? Check it out. You have nothing to lose. You go. It's fun. You liked it. Great. And if you didn't, it's just one night. Yeah, so true. So Amanda and I were both thinking about this because like we're both, you know, obviously fashion and beauty bloggers. I'm a, you know, sorry, wardrobe stylist. And we would love to hear your take being that you're a matchmaker. What would you advise people to wear for a summer date? This is such a good question. Yeah. Yeah. So I love this question because one of my number one tips for women don't wear black on a date. And that's an interesting tip that a lot of people don't want to hear because a lot of women wear black because they think that it makes them look thin and it's like an easy thing to throw on. But I will tell you that so many men tell me that they are not attracted to women who wear black. They think that it makes the women look more serious and they think that the women look older. So I advise women to wear color. In the summertime, I advise them to wear a floral print dress. Things that look flirty and feminine and fun. That's what you wear in the summertime. So if you're one of these girls who always needs to put on the drab colors, make a change, commit to it, and go get some color. Even if it's just a pop of color, that's okay. Like you, If you really can't get the red dress, then wear the black dress and get a red scarf and put it on or get a thing of red beads or a red necklace, something with a pop of color, whatever it is, a pashmina, whatever it is you want to put on, you put it on. So the other thing that I say is that you want to pick things that look good on you. 
So trends are great as long as they look good on you. So it's great to, to read Vogue. It's great to read Harper's Bazaar, see what is in style. Then you have to see what fits you, fits your body type and makes you look good and makes you feel confident. Because if you go out on a date and you're not feeling that good about what you're wearing, then you can't be good on the date. Then you can't be confident on the date. Then you can't be your best. And you only get one chance to make a good first impression. And so that's really important that you put out your best foot forward right away. I agree with you a thousand percent. I think a lot of, I think like a huge problem that with dressing today in fashion is that people are always picking the trendiest thing or what they think is good looking and then it doesn't look right on them or they don't feel right in it or they feel like they're supposed to be wearing it as opposed to like what they feel good. And I also think it sort of prevents people from developing their own sense of style because they feel like they have to constantly keep up. And like at the end of the day, I also don't think men are looking at that. Like men are like, oh, that outfit wouldn't look good on Instagram. Like, no, no one is thinking that. Right, right. And what I say to women also is that it's good to just have a first date dress. So just a first date (laughs) outfit that you feel good in, because you have to remember that if you wear that same outfit on each first date, no one's seen it yet because it's a different guy every time. So it's not like, oh, I wore that last night or oh, I wore that last week because if it's a new first date, then he hasn't seen it yet. If you're dating someone, obviously you're not wearing the same thing again and again. But again, you really need to pick things that you feel good in and that you know that you look good in. And like you said, it's not about the Instagrammable moment when you're going on a date. It's about the guy thinking that you look hot and thinking that you look sexy and you look cute, but most importantly, that you feel really good about how you look. So that way, that's like a check mark before you even leave the house. And then you get to the date and then you can just rock the date and have a great conversation, have great chemistry, and you're not even thinking, do I look good? Do I not look good? I love that. And I have to say, as a celebrity stylist and fashion expert, I really appreciate you said no black. And I really appreciate you said a pop of color because I always try to push my friends, my clients, everyone, even myself to stay away from black, stay away from things that are way more neutral or could take away your actual like aura and your confidence and your like just that whole like you know, look about you when you walk in a room, people immediately think in their head, oh, black, it makes me look sexy. And it's like, yeah, you may look a little bit thinner and, you know, it may make you feel a certain way, but you don't realize that it actually sometimes takes away from you and you're just seeing black and you're not seeing the person. I try to always tell people a pop of color. If you can't get away from black, do a pop of color and a hot pink lip, or like you said, add a red accessory, like do something to change it up. So I really appreciate that you said that because I feel like a lot of people, go the other direction. And I am very much on your wavelength that I always say color, 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 when in doubt, wear color. Yeah. And I mean, the pop of color on your lip, I think is a really great piece of advice also, because another tip that I give to women is that men notice your lips. And if you have a pop of color on your lips and you wear a lip gloss, which is very, very important, then they're looking at your lips and they're thinking about kissing you. So you put the pop of color on your lips and you put the gloss on your lips. And then when he's looking at your face, his eyes are drawn to your lips. And guess what? When he's looking at your lips, he's thinking, hmm, might I want to kiss her? So that's all going in the right direction for romance. So yeah. there you have it. I love that. Yeah, that's true. She, like too, like you're, you like they're staring at your lips because you're creating that mm-hmm. vision for them to like stare at and be excited about. So that's a really good tip. 
that, that is. Let me ask you, do you think, so I have two friends that are single who I'm not setting up with each other because I think they would be a horrible match. But like, <laughs> I've found sort of with my friends who are single, men, and now I'm thinking I have three single friends, none of whom should ever meet. But I find that like, and they're, you know, they're in, they're over the age of 30. And I think that like that number scares people and it really shouldn't. But I think that like sometimes as much as people try, they always pick the wrong person or no one is attracted to them. And why do you think that is? Like I have a friend who's super cute. She has a good job. Like she has a good personality, but like Dudes do not dig her. And I can't figure out why. It's not who you think it is, Allie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know who it is, but I think that sometimes people don't date as themselves. They date as their friends. And so sometimes, I don't know who your friend is, but like sometimes there'll be a group of friends and maybe there's one friend in the group who's like gorgeous. You know, she's, I'm going to stereotype, but she's like 5'10", and she's got a great body and long blonde hair, and all the guys look at her and whatever. And then there's another friend in the group who tries to date like she's a 5'10 model, but really she's like 5'3", and she has an okay body, and guys aren't really checking her out. But what she actually has is an amazing personality, and she's really funny, right? So what she needs to understand is who she is and who she's not and what she has, right? And then she needs to use what she has. So she needs to use her great personality and she needs to use how funny she is to find a guy who's attracted to that, right? Because if she's looking for a guy who's attracted to a 5'10 model, then guess who he's going to go out with? Her friend, not her. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of times what I see is a problem that women don't want to understand who they are and who they're not. And it's not, it's not a knock on them. It's not a criticism. It's just that we all have positives and we all have negatives. We just need to understand better what we bring to the table and then how to use it effectively to meet a great person and then get into a great relationship. Yeah, no, it's really good point. And I think like you said, everyone has like their assets and everyone has things that really make them attractive. And obviously we're all unique people and you really should own that. And I think that goes just for anything in life. It's like when you're your authentic self, that's when people are attracted to you the most because you're being you, you're not trying to be someone else. Exactly. Exactly. And that's great advice to be you because if you're being you, then you're most confident because you're you. And when you're trying to be something that you're not, or you're trying to wear the trend or you're trying to act a different way, you're trying to fit in somewhere where you don't, it usually never works. So I think that the people who have the most success in dating are people who understand themselves first and then they put themselves out out there. Yeah, I don't hear her. I'm, I'm still here. Do you hear me? Uh-oh. Oh, what happened? I don't know. All of a sudden, I you're you. okay. I hear you. Do you hear me? Uh-huh. For a second, yeah. we lost you. You said you said so. Everything with dating, and then you cut out for a moment. I said that you know what I was saying was that you want to understand who you are and feel really comfortable with yourself, and then you can put yourself out there in dating. You know, but it needs to be about you first, and then about the guy and the relationship after. Let me ask you, one thing that I hear from my single, like, friends who are girls, my single girlfriends, is that that was so wordy, Um, (laughs) which is that a lot of men, and I feel like this could just be L.A., or it could just be major cities, where I think that the, okay, like, in L.A., everyone here looks good. 
And like, mm-hmm. trust or, me. Or they pretend they do. Or they pretend they do. Because <laughs> I was just um, on a trip and there were, I was traveling and there were a lot of people who are not from major cities. And I like couldn't, and I don't mean this in like a mean way. I think in major cities like New York and LA, women really take care of themselves. Like it is Absolutely. a priority beyond where it is in other places. So well, it's, it's an appearance. It's thing. an appearance. Like yeah. people, like everyone here looks like Everyone here mm-hmm. looks good. Mm-hmm. Like, even people who look really bad in L.A., like, <laughs> what do they say? Like, a five in L.A. is a ten in Indiana, <laughs> something like that. And it's and it's true. But do you think men have unrealistic expectations of women? Because I think in these cities it might, or are we just under that impression? Unrealistic expectations about what? No. What women should look like, who they should be, you know, what, like who these women, you know, who these women are, like there are men that they think that they expect if you are like an average woman, or even if you're not, even if you're absolutely gorgeous, but you're not a supermodel, I find that like that can be a problem because of the competition or men just have these expectations that, oh, I am, or guys who honestly make a lot of money expect supermodels. Well, I mean, I think they have to keep in mind where you live, right? So my business, my matchmaking business, Samantha's Table, is in New York and Los Angeles. And so in those two, I I spend a lot of time in both cities. I have clients in both cities. And Los Angeles and New York are the two most competitive cities in the whole country. And so people who move to either of these cities are very aggressive and they expect perfection in everything. So it's not just in who they end up with relationship wise, but it's getting to the top to be super successful. It's about living in the best place, having the nicest car, clothing, blah, 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 blah. And so they put a lot of pressure on themselves first and foremost. And then in return, they put a lot of pressure on themselves to be with the person who they think that they should be with who's at the top of the totem pole you know so I have a theory about all of that I call it my 85% rule and basically I find that in New York and in Los Angeles and like you said in other major cities a lot of times people go out and start dating and they meet somebody who they think is fabulous but in their head they're only 85% of the things that they're looking for and so because these people are perfectionists they say well gosh 85% is is not enough for me. I need like 95, 97, 98%. So they go slow back the 85% person and they go fish again. And guess what happens the next time? They find another person who's only just 85%, just different 85%. And it just keeps happening again and again. And so the advice that I give, I say, well, if you find somebody who's 85% of the things that you want, you shouldn't be walking, but you should be running to the altar because that's pretty good. You know, so people don't really think of it that way. And as a result, in these big cities, a lot of people wind up staying single for a really long time until they get with the program and understand that there's nobody perfect out there. You know, you have to marry a mortal human being. So that's what we have to understand. Oh, a thousand percent. And here's the other thing, too, that I learned when I got married. And that, like, I – so when I met my husband – he was in New York. I was in L.A. I would barely date someone in L.A. who lived on the other side of town. But but that then I've, I've told the story on the podcast before. But to make a long story short, there were things that my husband – there were – look, like I always thought my husband would love to go hiking with me. 
because I really mm-hmm. like to be outside. I really like to hike. I want to be outside as much as possible. And frankly, first my husband would hike because he wanted to impress me when we were dating. And then when we, you know, became more established, he was not so much into the hiking and he'll still do it a few times a year. But I found it kind of disappointing. I'm like, he's not going to hike. And then I'm like, wait, I'm an idiot. I don't need him to fill that need. I like to hike with other people. I have girlfriends. I can use this as girl time. Why am I being insane? And I think that like, it made me realize that like, I think our expectations are that our spouse is supposed to fill every single need in our lives when like, that's just not possible. I know I don't fill all of his needs. I don't play golf. He loves to golf. And that gives him time with his friends. And then I'll go do something else with my friends. And I don't feel like either one of us are at a loss. Yep. Well, I think that if you count, if you think that your spouse is going to fulfill everything that you need, and if you just wait for them every minute of the day to be with you all the time, that's just a recipe for a disaster and for killing your relationship, because you really need to have your own life and he needs to have his own life. And then the two of you need to come together. And one plus one is three but you're bringing different things to the table, but then you're also confident and comfortable enough in the relationship that you give each other space because you can't be together 24 seven and you can't be everything to that other person all the time. It's just not going to happen. It just doesn't work and it's not healthy for the relationship. Right. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. It's like, you have to have your own balance and be your own individual. And I love that you said that because I think sometimes people make the, you know, mistake or the misunderstanding of being like, oh, but I should always be with my partner, should always be doing this. And sometimes even some of my friends will say to me, oh, wow, you guys don't do a lot together, huh? Like he's always here and you're always there. And I'm like, yes, because we have very individual lives we both love and enjoy, but then we have other parts of our lives that we really enjoy together. And I think there's something special in that. Yeah, no, that's the way that it should be. And so you, you know, the best thing I think is when two people can figure out a few things that they like to do together and that's their special time that they do together. And that's like what they're into together. But then at the same time, he has his stuff that he does with his friends, you have your stuff that you do with your friends. And then you can also find time alone to just be by yourself and he can do the same. And then you have all those different things and components in the relationship. Yeah, I think, yeah, and I think that's really smart because I'm sure a lot of our listeners that aren't single that are married yeah. appreciate that. <laughs> well, right, it goes, it, you know, I think that when you're single and you're looking for someone, it's important to realize that so that you don't put so much pressure on yourself to go out with somebody who has every single thing in common with you. But then I also think that if you're in a relationship or if you're married and you're just feeling a little overwhelmed, by all the time that you're spending together or that you feel like you're not spending enough time together, maybe you take a breath and say, okay, I'm glad to hear that it's okay if we're not carbon copies of each other. And that if we just have a couple things that we like to do together and then we do a lot of things separate as well. Yeah, I know. And I love that. I always joke when people ask me like what I have in common with my husband, I'm like, (laughs) well, it used to always be, I would say the love we have for each other. Now it's the love for our daughter. (laughs) (laughs) Let me ask, when do you think people should see a matchmaker? Because I think that obviously a lot of people are meeting on apps and I think that's great. But I also think there's a lot of like, I was away with a friend of mine who was single and she's literally on every single app. And a friend of mine had a breakup, went to Coachella. He's like, oh good, now I can download J-Swipe. And I'm like... (laughs) 
Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, this is like a lot. And I think that like a lot of the time, it's just, it's like when you go to a restaurant and the menu's too big, you never, like, you know, like a New York City diner. I'm like, what, how is, how could all of this food be good? Like, there's no, I just want yeah, a Caesar no, salad. With you. And also, I don't honestly, okay. I tried the app world like right before. Yeah. Like, met before, Justin, yeah, both us, and, and I really was overwhelmed by it. Like, for me, I, I don't think I could survive being single right now on the apps. Like, I would lose my shit. I had one Tinder date, and he is now married to a former cast member of The Real L Word. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. The chef. That's so funny. <laughs> it was bad. That was like <laughs> that was really like a bad, very short lived relationship. Yeah. So if you don't want to have like a bad experience or like what advice? Like I agree with like Amanda, who's like, coming to you? Yeah. Like how do people decide? I guess that they like get. get to, I'm going to get a matchmaker, yeah, and I'm I am going to do this. Right, and I'm not going to be using app after app after app. Well, most of the people that I work with are very successful and very busy. And so they prefer dating under the radar and not really being so out there on every dating app. And they find them to be very time consuming and they find that they're not really meeting the person that they want to meet. So they look to me to kind of have a vetting process for them. And I strategically go and find people for them that fit who they're looking for. So the benefit to working with me versus being on a dating app is the fact that I know both people. So I know both sides of the equation. So I I know you, I've met you, I get a sense of your energy, I know things about you, and then I know him and I've met him and I know his energy. And so if I'm putting the two of you together, it's because I'm the middleman, I know both of you and I think the two of you will go well together. On an app, you know, as much as you're like reading about the person and talking and this and that, it's like you don't really know who the other person is. And so you don't really get that until you get there. You know, so you have to do the work yourself. So it's just it's different ways of approaching it. You know, and also I think that um, on the dating apps a lot, you know, if you're interacting with 10 people, oh. I would say that at least half of them you're not 100% sure if they're really serious about wanting to get into a relationship and how many other people they're dating and kind of where their head is. You know, with me, because people know that I have this business and if I contact them and say, hey, I want you to go out with somebody, they're very respectful of that. And so if they're not available or if they're not really looking for something real, they tend to be honest with me and say, hey, this isn't a good time for me. You know, I really appreciate you reaching out, but I'm going to turn it down because I don't want to waste somebody's time. I'll get back in touch with you. And I would say nine times out of 10, they do get back in touch with me and they say, okay, I'm ready now. But at least they were respectful of the person's time. You know, on the dating apps, it's like people go for a walk, they go for a coffee, you know, they go for a quick drink. And so people don't feel as much responsibility towards the other person, you know, and I don't really think that that's fair because I mean, especially if you're a woman, you know, when you go on a date, most of the time you spend time getting it together. You know, most women will show up and they put on their makeup and they brush their hair, they've blown it dry. You know, maybe they've even gotten it blown out. They pick an outfit, you know, in Los Angeles, you have to drive to the date. And so you're committing, you know, to a couple of hours of your time. And so it's really annoying to go out with somebody who has no intention of being serious when you're looking for something serious. You know, it just feels crappy. And then it feels like you're going on so many dates. And so then you wind up having like dating burnout. We don't want to go anymore because you're like, I just don't want to do it anymore. I'm so frigging sick and tired of this. 
you know, so that's a little bit of the problem. So, you know, the apps are double-edged sword because on the one hand, it makes you feel like there's always a possibility, you know, so you never feel like, oh my God, I'm alone and I don't know how to meet someone because all you have to do is sign on to an app and nine times out of 10, you'll get a date. But on the flip side, if you want to be serious with someone, then it's hard to know the date that you're getting. Do they want to be serious or do they just like date for sport and think it's so much fun to go out on 10 dates a week? <laughs> oh, that's like that's my terrible. worst night. That's literally my worst nightmare. <laughs> like, let me ask who, like, are most of your clients men or women? So I primarily work with male clients um, who pay me to work with me. And then I keep a very large database of women who I keep in mind for the men. Um, I have some female clients also. It just depends on the circumstances. But for example, in Los Angeles, you know, I work with a lot of entertainment execs and a lot of, I actually work with a whole bunch of celebrities who don't really know how to date anybody except for celebrities. And surprising as it might sound, a lot of celebrities don't want to be with another celebrity. They want to be with like a real person and they don't know how to meet a real person because they're very suspicious of real people because they don't know, Oh, somebody just want to go out on a date with me because I'm famous and they can put it on Instagram or they really interested in me. So they want, you know, someone like me to be vetting dates for them and like picking people who are legit and not just, you know, stargazers. So, you know, there's that. Um, in New York, it's a lot of finance people, it's a lot of CEOs, it's a lot of entrepreneurs, it's a lot of lawyers, you know, it's a lot of venture capital people. It's all different people who are just very successful, very busy, and just want someone else to take care of it. You know, a lot of people, when they're going shopping in a store, they want to be efficient, so they have a personal shopper. You know, and if they're going to Whole Foods to buy food, instead of, like, taking the time to bring it home and unload it, they, like, have it delivered. You know, so there's certain people who try to be very efficient and if you want to get married and you want to get into a real relationship then it's good to have an expert involved in the process I actually agree with you I I think it makes a lot of sense and I think it's hard too for women especially like women who want to date successful men who like I think that like it would be so smart for like actually should introduce you to some of my girlfriends who are single because (laughs) it's like I think they know what they want, and I think that they meet these guys who are either not what they say they are, or they don't want something serious, or they're just, like, they're just idiots. Like, I (laughs) I don't even know what to say. Like, people will tell me dating horror stories. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And I'm just like, wow, I'm so happy I'm married right now. I feel the same way. When I hear these stories, I'm like, oh, thank you so much for me finding my soulmate a long time. And, like, I had – and, like, trust me, like, I had a million bad dates. I was, like, the – pickiest person do. i think we all do i had horrible dates too like i i mean the stories i feel like everyone tells you everyone like, oh, has been there story. like yeah it's but i guess no, that's everybody's why had bad dates i mean i had terrible dates before i met my husband i mean you everybody has good ones and everybody has bad ones and that's dating you know the right. problem is if you're going out on too many bad ones then it starts messing with your psyche and you start thinking to yourself that you're never going to meet anyone and then it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy because you don't Right. You know, so that's why, you know, I, I give advice, you know, I give two pieces of it. I give so much advice, but two pieces of advice that almost sound 
conflicting, but they're not, is I say that if you get invited, you go because you never know who you're going to meet. And I say that to people because when I was 15 years old, my grandmother actually said that to me. And ever since then, I've been going. And that's really Mm -hmm. how I started my business and why I'm such a good networker and people person and whatever. Um, I actually put up a video that I did on my Instagram today about that very thought. And the night that I met my husband, I actually didn't even want to go out. But then I heard my grandmother in my head saying, no, you got invited. You have to go. You never know who you're going to meet. And then I went and I met my husband. So you kind of never know. But then the flip side of the coin is, is that I say to people and to women in particular that it's okay to turn down some dates right? So you should go out and meet people if you, you know, if you're invited, but at the same time, if you're invited on a date and you absolutely know that that guy is not going to be for you, then turn it down. Because if you go on dates and you're just wasting your time and you're sitting there and you're crawling out of your skin because you don't want to be there, then it's just negative energy for you. And then it makes you unhappy about dating. And then when the right one comes along, you can't even recognize him because you're in such a bad place. You know, so you have to be able to balance between the two of going, but then feeling confident enough to say no if you know that it's an absolute no. If it's a maybe, you go because you never know. But if it's an absolute no, you know, then you don't go. And people have deal breakers and there's certain things that come up and you're like, there is no way that I'm going to like that guy. Then you say no. What are the biggest deal breakers you see? Oh, that's a good question. Um, You know, I think that a lot of deal breakers are about people who are just not for the person at all. So a deal breaker would be that, let's say you're Jewish and you only want to date someone Jewish and then you get asked out by this hot Catholic guy. You're like, oh, but he's hot, but he's this, but he's that. If you absolutely are certain that you want to be with someone Jewish, then that's a waste of your time. Albeit the fact that he's hot, albeit the fact that he's nice and all of those things. You know, other deal breakers are the way that people spend time. You know, if you are somebody who likes to stay home and chill and watch movies and cook and whatever, and then you're getting set up with somebody who needs to go out every night of the week, that's not going to be a good match for you because you have different kinds of energy, you have different things that you want to do. You know, so those are more like big deal breakers, but then everybody has little deal breakers that you're attracted to certain things or that you've been on dates before with a guy or with a girl and you're like, this does not work for me. You know, so if you love to drink wine, it doesn't work to really be with somebody who doesn't drink, you know, and that doesn't mean that you're an alcoholic and they're um and they're sober, it's not really those extremes. It's more that if you really love to drink and the person doesn't drink at all, then one thing that you really like to do, the person isn't doing with you. Or if you're somebody who really likes to eat and then somebody sets you Mm -hmm. up with a vegan and you love having steak and you love going out or a woman eats like a bird and the guy is a big eater. I hear that a lot. You know, guys don't want to go out with women who don't eat. (laughs) <laughs> you know, some women think, oh, they should go on a date and they should eat a lot. But a lot of men want to go out with a woman who eats because men like to eat, most of them. You know, and, and socializing, a big part of socializing is going out to restaurants. So if you're not an eater or you're so picky that you don't eat anything, then you take away that enjoyment. So, you know, you just have to figure out what works for you. That's totally true. But I also find that, like, I think that women especially won't give men a chance. 
at all. Like I had someone, now he has a girlfriend. He's an amazing guy. I mean, like he's a friend of my husband's and I always joke around that had I met him before like my husband or whatever, I would have wanted to like date him because I just think he is the cat's pajamas. And Mm. I would, the thing is, and for a while in his life, he didn't drink. And like, actually, and like, I was like, that's kind of an asset because like you're always, you know, the designated driver. But then I would say to my friends, oh my God, I have this amazing guy. And then I would be like, by the way, the only thing is like, he doesn't drink. And they're like, no, even before meeting him. And I actually think that happens to, I have other friends that don't drink and they always say that, that it's like a huge problem. Yeah. I've heard that several times too. I mean, it just comes down to what you enjoy, right? You know, some people like to drink, you know, and some people just drink socially and some people don't care about it. So it depends, you know, like one of the things that my husband and I have as a big hobby that we share together is we love to do wine tastings and we love love to go on wine tasting trips, you know, so that's something that we always incorporate in every, in every trip that we do. So, you know, for me and for him, those were things, that was something that was important that we enjoy, but if it wasn't something that we enjoyed, then it might not matter. You know, it's, it's really more about being with somebody who you connect with, you know, and, and going back to your point about do women give men a chance? I actually, my experience is that women tend to give men a chance more than men give women a chance. Um, I think that, you know, a lot of women sometimes almost give men too much of a chance because the guy looks good on paper or because their friend mm-hmm. or their mom is saying to them, oh, he's a really good guy. You know, he went to Harvard. He has a really good job. <laughs> he's nice looking. He comes from a nice family. You know, so it almost harkens back to like a long time ago when our grandparents were dating you know, where that was like, oh, you give him a chance because he's a doctor or a lawyer. You know, sometimes a woman will say, oh, well, you know, he does look good on paper and I should really give him a chance. So she gives him a chance, she gives him a chance. But at the end of the day, usually you kind of know if you like somebody and it really all comes down to chemistry, you know, and you have to have some chemistry with somebody and you have to feel that connection with somebody because, I mean, you all know and everybody knows who's in a relationship or who's married. I mean, relationships and marriage are hard, you know, and some days you love the person that you're with and some days you hate the person that you're with. And on those days that you hate that person, on those days that you hate that person, you need to be able to go to that chemistry to remember how much you love them because you hate them. (laughs) No, absolutely. Yeah. And I appreciate you saying that because I think we all go through in our marriages, those ebbs and flows. And again, you go back to in your mind, oh, we should be like so in sync with each other and everything should be this. Sometimes you're just not. Like you're just not. It's just the way it is. Sometimes it's like, and I'm sometimes I look at my husband and I'm like, I can't wait till you leave the house today. (laughs) And I'm sure he feels the same way about me probably more often than not. (laughs) And that's that's what I tell people. You know, I tell people that, you have all different emotions about the person that you're with. So some mornings you wake up and you look at the person laying next to you and you think to yourself, oh my gosh, I love you so much. I'm so happy that you're here. And then some mornings you wake up and you look at the person and you're like, I frigging hate your guts. What are you doing in my bed? You know, and you have like every emotion in between. And so if you're on the day where you frigging hate their guts, then you need to like be able to remember something that you love. So for me, my husband has the most adorable dimples. And so if I'm like in one of those days where he's really just, not 
winning with me, <laughs> then mm-hmm. I will think about his dimples or I'll get him to smile. And then all of a sudden I'll be able to make it for another hour and then we'll get to a better place. And then I love him again. But there has to be that, that chemistry, you know, that, that indescribable thing that you have with somebody that banter that kind of brings you back to center in your relationship where you won't make it. You know, so when women are just trying to give somebody a chance for the sake of giving them a chance, you know, I think it's fine for a few dates, but if it's really not there, then you just have to accept it and move on if you want to meet someone, you know, because otherwise you're just wasting your time and wasting your time is the best way of not getting married. That's totally true. Let me, let me ask you, I will find not in our Facebook group, we have like a private Facebook group, but in others, I will see these girls who are like, well, my fiance and I have been engaged for three years together for 10. And I'm like, <laughs> and I, I think he's cheating on me. And I'm like, what? Like, what? what pl- that's not okay. Not, I mean, just like, what is with these people? And I, I'm probably offending a bunch of listeners, but like, look, some people don't want to get married and I think that's okay. And if that's what you start your relationship with, that you're not the marrying kind and you just want to be in a relationship, fine. But I will see these people in these relationships that drag on for years to go nowhere and end badly. And what do you yeah. think that is? Because I, like, I was engaged one year to the day I met my husband and then we were married a year and a month after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's funny that you say that because I see that in um, my Facebook extended social circles while I have about, I guess I have 5,000 friends on Facebook and I there are a group of these women who I know who all have been engaged for a super long time and they're not getting married. And to me, if you're getting engaged, then that means that you do believe in the institution of marriage. But when you're in your 30s or you're in your 40s and you're engaged if you're engaged for two years, three years, four years, I think there's a problem with that. You know, and I think that if I were that person, I wouldn't be sticking around that long and I don't understand it either. And, you know, if I'm, if somebody asks me about that, I say, well, I think that, you know, you need to be true to yourself. And if you want to be married and if that's important to you and it doesn't seem like it's going in that direction, then, you need to get out of the relationship. You know, sometimes it's about thinking that if you stay long enough, eventually it will just happen. And it does. I mean, I saw a situation in my Insta, in someone who I'm connected with on Instagram and she had been engaged forever. And I saw that she got married recently. And I, and I was thinking to myself years ago that this was never going to happen. And then eventually they did get married. So I think that, you know, sometimes people just stick around because they figure eventually it will happen. And other times I think that they're just comfortable with the person. And so then they just make it be okay. And other times maybe people just don't really care, you know, and they went through the motions of getting engaged and they feel like this is my partner. This is my Bashert. I'm going to be with this person forever anyway. And so it doesn't really matter. You know, for me, as modern as I am, you know, I was always tr- a traditional person. So for me, I wanted to be married. So, you know, I, I still, my husband and I moved in together and then we got engaged and then we got married. So, I mean, I took the steps, but for me, that was important. But I have friends who is not important and who've been in relationships for a long time. But my concern for those people and what I caution, you know, because I'm a matchmaker, but I also worked as a divorce attorney is that mm-hmm. psychologically, it's much easier to get out of a relationship where there's no marriage. 
you know, you've been together for 10 years, you know, and 10 years is a common law marriage in some states, but at the same time, you're not really married. And so you literally can kind of just pick yourself up and leave. But if you're married, I feel like people give it a second thought. And I feel like people try a little bit harder because they, if they are breaking up, they have to like disentangle themselves. So I do think that the institution of marriage protects the relationship a little bit more than not, you know, having that. But I also have seen lots of people who've been in relationships for years and years and years, and it's totally worked. You know, so I think it's, it's really about yourself and your essence and what you feel comfortable with and not, you know, compromising yourself because you, if it's important to you, but the person that you're with is not important to them, then it's not fair that you're not getting what you want, you know, and that's what it comes down to, you know, my opinion. Yeah, no, that's, no that's I, true. I agree with you. I also, I don't understand this because I feel like there are so many benefits that come to getting married, like filing jointly because, um, I insist on doing hard taxes because I have <laughs> I have problems. Um, no, and also I actually know how to do taxes, so I like to do it ourselves. And I'm like, oh, filing jointly is so much. I mean, I know it's so unglamorous, but like certain things where like I'm just like, oh, it's so much easier being married, like to do this or health insurance or all of this like stupid adult stuff that like no one thinks about. But like I'm like, oh so much easier, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, I I definitely think those things are, yeah, I mean, those things are definitely beneficial, you know, and for me personally, I I feel like much more confident in my relationship that we're married. You know, it just, for me, it feels more solid. Um, And I think that that's the way a lot of people feel. Um, You know, so I think that it comes down to what you really want, you know, and I think that the worst situation are the ones where somebody's sitting in the relationship and really wants it to be something that it's not, you know, and they're like settling and, and putting up with it. And that's the worst. You know, if you're both in complete agreement, then okay, fine. You know, but if one of you really wants marriage and the other one doesn't, then, you know, for me, that's a deal breaker. So... You know, you have to really look within and what makes you happy and feel and feel secure and confident in your relationship. I agree a thousand percent. So let me ask, if someone wants to work with you, where can they find you? So I have my company is called Samantha's Table. So I have a website, samanthastable.com. You can follow me on Instagram at at, mate, at matchmaker SD. So S is in Samantha, D is in Daniel. So at matchmaker SD. Um, and if you're in New York or Los Angeles or anywhere across the country, I'm actually starting to do um, dating advice over the internet. I'm going to start doing Ooh, these, these webinars. And I'm starting my first one in two weeks, and I'm going to be talking about what men really want when it comes to dating. So if you're interested in finding out more information about that, if you follow me on Instagram, you'll be able to see how you can sign up for that one-hour live webinar that I'm going to be hosting. And I'm going to be giving a lot more insider tips on dating and what works and what doesn't. And so you can put your best foot forward and actually meet someone and get married. That's That's amazing. And I just want to say to everyone listening, I think this was such, especially as someone who's not single anymore, like, and I can, Ali, I'll speak for you. This was such an illuminating conversation. Oh, yeah, no. This was so. Honestly, like, I've been in ebbs and flows lately with my husband because, like, 
like, you know, Samantha, with having a new baby, like everything changes and everything is like, it's amazing. But then there's so many things that like go out the window and then maybe don't have time for like you and them. And, and I've been like back and forth in my head, like, oh my gosh, why some days am I so frustrated? Why am I beating myself up that I'm not getting as much time with him lately? And like, what's my problem? And like hearing this conversation and having these authentic, like, you know, back and forth. Like, like, hashtag real talk. Yeah. Like back and yeah. forth about like you saying that it's totally fine. And like you find certain things that work and other things that you just do on your own. It's like so reassuring for me and like makes me feel like in such a better place when I like had kind of like my own little panic attack last night because I'm like, oh my gosh, I've had no time with him lately. I feel like all I do is like be with the baby and I love being with my daughter, but like, I feel like I don't give him any time and like, I need to find more time. Relationships aren't easy. And I think that everyone thinks they are. People think like once you get married, like that solves your problem. It's like, oh no, no. you have have yet to experience problems until you're married. I'm terrible. No, but it's true though. Like it's like, it's just, it's, it's a whole new world uh, because you're in a relationship. And, and, and like Samantha was saying, it's, it's work. It's an investment. And like you were saying, Samantha, earlier that I love that you were like, everything is time and taking that time, whether you're single and dating or you're married and taking that time. So I just appreciate that you were so real about that because I needed to hear that even for me. Yeah, I mean, I think that the key thing in a relationship and when you're dating and just in life in general is to have realistic expectations, because if you put so much pressure on yourself to find the perfect person when you're dating, then all you do is stay alone. And if you put mm-hmm. so much pressure on yourself in your marriage or in your relationship to have a perfect relationship, then you're never going to have one because all you're doing is beating yourself up. So you try to be the best that you can be. You accept the fact that some days your relationship is going to be great and you're going to be great in it. And some days it's going to suck, but then you have a new day, you know, and if you did something wrong, you apologize, you try to move forward from it, you don't harp on it, you don't hold a grudge, and you just move forward and you see if you can make it be the best you can. You guys just had a baby, so you have to figure it out. I mean, you went all of a sudden from being the two of you, you know, if it's your first baby, to having an extra person there and figuring it out, and obviously a baby's a baby, needs attention 24-7, so you have to figure out how it all works together and you have to cut yourself a break and say, okay, this is a work in progress. We're trying to figure this out. We love each other. We're committed to figuring this out. But if we don't figure it out perfectly today, that's going to be okay. You know, yeah, and that's no, what we have to do because I, I needed to hear that. Like that needed to go inside my head. Like, you know, they Aww. say sometimes like things in your head are not good. Yeah. Like that was like, I needed to hear that. <laughs> it's look, I think everyone has challenges no matter what relationship you're, you're in. So it's whether you're not in a relationship, whether you're looking for one, like people, it's hard being a person. Yeah, totally. And also it's not just right. like, and I mean, you can have problems in your friendships. Also. That's what I was going mean, to say. It's oh, not yeah. just relationships. It's, it can totally be like your friendships, your partners, like your business partner. Like there's so many things that just like, it, it's again, it's a relationship. It's time, it's commitment, it's investment, it's everything you're doing to like make it work or not work. It's, it's totally the, it's true. The rules of dating apply to a lot of things. So I just highly recommend that everyone look up Samantha, the info, do me a favor, because I think this will be out in two weeks. So when everyone is listening to this, it will be out. Um, Can you email me the website, if it's a different website or a specific link or something? So it's in the show notes. Yeah, of course. Yeah. My, my website again is samanthastable.com and my Instagram is at matchmaker SD. S is in Samantha D is in Daniels. 
so they can get lots of information. I hope everyone will check it out. And I hope people will come and check out my webinar because I'm really excited to start doing that. That sounds amazing. I think that's fun. Yeah, I think that's genius and like so different than like most of the stuff I heard. So I think it's going to be this great. Is, I think like this was just like a little preview of what you have to offer. Yeah. And I think that it's definitely something that people will be interested in. So we cannot thank you enough for being here. We really appreciate it. So and as we always end, say, be fabulous <laughs> and okay. in a good relationship. Yeah, that's the one. And in a good relationship. And in a good relationship. Thank Bye. You. Bye. Bye. Taught them both how to chain Fonda. One, two, three, four. Get your booty on the dance floor. Work it out. Shake it, little mama. Let me see you do the chain Fonda.